I need you to stop coming out here. This is not your birthright. Your birthright is for you to be a queen. He starts saying all this other stuff, but I tune out at that point because I'm like, wow, he's really going to hurt me. He's like, get undressed. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to rape me too. He's like, get undressed. I'm going to leave your clothes at the end of the street, count backwards from 90 and don't come back out here. Hello and welcome to the Evolving with Jessica podcast. My name is Jessica. I am an integrative nutrition health coach, a holistic skin healing guide, and certified life coach. In this podcast, we cover topics such as holistic health and wellness, nutrition, and spirituality. If you enjoy or gain any insight, please leave a review. This makes the show more searchable, which helps others find the information too. In this episode, I am joined by Sharice Tariva. Sharice is a rebirth initiator, and that is a term that she trademarked that encompasses the work that she does. She is an empowerment coach, a trauma mama, and an emotional doula. Sharice is on a mission to empower other women to transmute their trauma into triumph and to journey back to their truest, most authentic self. Born into three generations of trauma and forced into human sex trafficking when she was 19, Sharice had to learn to not only heal within family, but within herself. This is a unique conversation on the podcast. While Sharice is a coach, her life experiences have been different than most people that you find in the coaching space. What you're about to listen to comes with a trigger warning. Cherie shares her story very openly, and in her story, you'll hear her talk about sex, rape, a shooting, among other topics that could be triggers. So if any of this is a trigger for you, or if any children are within hearing distance, I advise skipping this episode for now. Otherwise, it is a very empowering story. I am grateful to have this platform so that others who are overcoming a dark past themselves can hear Sharice's story and know that there is light on the other side. And if you're here because you're struggling with your skin, send me a DM with the words clear skin and I will send you over a free resource that will help you on your skin healing journey. Without further ado, Please enjoy this conversation with Sharice Tariva. Okay, so there's some heavy stuff that I want to get into with you, but we'll do that later on. I want to start a little bit lighter. I saw that you were talking about numerology. Mm. Yeah, I was like, okay, so... (laughs) Is that based off of when you were born? I have like a favorite number, like a lucky number, but I don't know if that means anything or um, like does, would that number hold any significant meaning or how do you actually, what is numerology? Okay, absolutely. So um, funny story, I had a favorite number growing up too. It was always seven. 
And I thought it was because the temple that I grew up in when I was younger, I was going to the Moorish Science Temple of America and it was called Temple 7. And the book that we read, the Quran, had a seven on it. So I thought subconsciously like that's where it had to come from. But no, my life lesson is a seven. It's a karmic seven. And my soul is a seven. So what's your favorite number? Oh, okay. Four. Four. Okay. What's your birthday? Four, four. Are you kidding me? No. Okay. Do you do you mind sharing the year you were born too, so I could give you your life lesson number? Nineteen ninety. Okay, so eight, nine. Ooh, girl, you're a nine. Okay, yes, that like, sounds right. Yeah, you're you're a nine, but let me make sure if it's a regular nine or a karmic nine. Boo. Nah, it's a solid nine. Okay, who girl? And your favorite number is four? Four. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somewhere in your chart, I mean, the double four for your birthday it, it itself it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, But maybe there's a four somewhere else in your chart. Like maybe your soul is a four or maybe your primary life achievement is a four. But numerology is literally the study of numbers. So people get like, they're like, oh, it's woo woo. And it's like, no, bitch, that shit is real. It is real. I mean, down to some of the trauma I experienced in my numerology chart, everything made sense. I remember going to go get my numerology chart done. And when I walked in, the lady was laughing and I was like, it's so funny. And she was like, your first three, your top three numbers are the top three numbers that my husband has. And you both had this like bubbly energy to you. And I was like, she can't see that from three numbers. And when I sat down and she started doing my chart, like reading it to me, I bust out crying because she, I mean, read me like a book. She was like, your life not life lesson number is a karmic uh, seven. And anything you do to fill yourself out, fill yourself up from the outside in is not going to work. You keep buying stuff. You keep having sex. And, and she just, I mean, she punched me in my chest and I was sobbing. And she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just went to the mall and spent like four grand and I feel empty still. So when she said it, it made perfect sense. Like everything started to click for me. Even the trafficking that I went through, like the karmic seven, anything outside of me is not going to fulfill me. I'm only going to be fulfilled from God's source and then pour my medicine out. My primary life achievement number is a four over 22. It's a master number, which means that um, I came to do something that is going to impact a lot of people and I have to build it from the ground up. And I think I'm living in that pretty loudly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. And just to go back to people who think it's woo-woo, numbers and numerology have been around since before language exactly they're carved into the side of like ancient buildings or um the pyramids and things like that Mm -hmm. so yeah we can't just bypass it like it's nothing Mm -hmm. um you just casually threw in trafficking so (laughs) (laughs) because it's so it's I've worked through it so much that it's not as heavy as it used to be. And I have to remember that for everybody else, like that is not their experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's inspiring though, that you are in that place that you can speak about it like that. Um, because it, I feel like other people that kind of could give them the sense of like, oh, like I could get there. Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't have to live in like this, this these bad feelings about it okay so I do want to get into that okay we will um yeah 
since we've already brought it up, how did that happen and how old were you and whatever you're willing to share really? Yeah. Um, I feel like the more that I share my story, the more that comes through. Um, so I was 19 when it initially happened and it was a grooming process. So I was going through some shit at home. I didn't, I didn't like my mom's baby dad. So I got on a bus to go hang out with my dad in the city. And on this bus, I met this young man and he was charming and all the things. And he told me that he wanted to take me out and wine and dine me in Atlantic City. And I was like, wow, I'm really having all of these problems at home. Like, I just want to get away from where I'm at right now. So I agreed. Long story short about that whole part, um, he pretended to be my boyfriend. So he wined and dined me for like a week or two. Um, he was a drug dealer in Atlantic City. And the friend that he hung out with that he called his brother was already a pimp. And he had said how pretty I was and how, you know, how he thought that I would make him a lot of money. And I remember their conversation initially and the boy being like, yeah, no, nah, she's a good girl. I'm not doing that. And then it escalating and him pretty much giving me an ultimatum being like, hey, if you don't do this, like, I know where you live. I know your mom. I'll kill your mom and your sister. At the, the brother or the man that you were the The man, the, the young man that I was in a relationship with, because that's what he, that's how it started. He was my boyfriend. So do you think it was planned from the very beginning? Um, I don't know. I don't put anything past anybody. Um, I think that the thought was there and that when he let me hear that conversation, that that was part of the grooming process mm. for him to be like, oh, she trusts me if, if she hears me say this type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's a, it was a whole grooming process. I mean, there were, there were like bits and pieces that I look back at now and I'm like, wow, that was part of the grooming. Wow. When he said that, that was part of the grooming. Wow. Um, but yeah, he pretty much gave me an ultimatum. And I've always, I think people's question is like, how did you let something like that happen to yourself? Or why didn't you call the cops? And it's like, I've always been this sassy. Um, so the initial day that, not the initial day, maybe the second day that he asked me, uh, we fought. Like we literally, we had a fist fight and he beat my ass. And I, he left me in the room and told me to think about my decision. And then when he came back, we fought for three days straight because I didn't want to do it. And then eventually I just gave up because I was tired of getting my ass beat. And then I started smoking and drinking just to be numb to the whole situation. And I really wasn't out there as long as everybody thinks, like in my family, I got out there when I was 19, but it was like the fall of my 19. So I was almost 20. And by the time I was 21, I had already been out of it. I had found a way to like completely get out or I didn't find a way. Spirit, spirit created a way. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into that story, how I got out of it, but it's very. Yeah, um, I think everyone listening probably does. <laughs> it's very spiritual, man. So like I said, I had gotten to the point where uh, I had to smoke and drink to just do this, this trafficking and sleep with these random ass men to make him money. Um, so this was like right before I got smart about it, I would go into the casinos and play, play the penny slots, Cleopatra. I would play this one slot and she would win me the amount of money that I was supposed to turn into him every single day. So on my way 
to the to the casino to get you know play the penny slot I was trying to buy some weed from this guy and I swear to this day this guy is an earth angel and and again people argue with me they're like but what he did to you and I'm like you guys got to understand my my life lesson number is a seven I only learn through experiences and most of my experiences are difficult that is part of my karma with the seven um so I'm talking to this guy and I'm like I need to buy weed but I can't I can't be seen with you because you're a brown man so these men groomed me enough that I couldn't talk to brown men I could only talk to Caucasian men or Puerto Rican or Mexican anybody that didn't look like me pretty much because if somebody that looked like me talked to me they were probably going to snatch me up and talk some sense into me or get into an altercation with them or try to steal me from them steal me from them so I'm talking to this guy and we're walking and he's like we have to walk off the track and I'm like oh I can't walk with you off of there I'll get in trouble he's like real quick there's a blue house we need to go to the weed is there and I'm like fine so we're walking and he's prophesizing to me we're talking about spirits, angels. And I'm like, this is odd. I've never heard a drug dealer talk about God and like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I just want my weed. <laughs> I need to have him get my weed. And he's like, you know, it's your birthright to be a queen and you're not supposed to be out here. And I'm like, I appreciate you, but I need to get high. Like, cause I don't know if I'm going to win this money on the slot machine or if I'm going to need to do what I need to do to get the money to him. So he doesn't fuck me up tonight. So he's like, just behind this house. So I go behind the house and there's nothing there. And he puts a blade to my neck and he goes, listen. And I go, fuck, now he's going to kill me. He goes, listen to me. He goes, if you keep coming out here, you're going to die. I need you not to come out here. Please listen to me. I have goosebumps over my whole body (laughs) every time. Um, And I'm like, okay, whatever you need. I'll just, I don't have any money. I have $5. I have my phone. He's like, I don't give a fuck about that. I need you to stop coming out here. This is not your birthright. Your birthright is for you to be a queen. He starts saying all this other stuff, but I tune out at that point because I'm like wow he's really going to hurt me he's like get undressed and I'm like oh my god he's going to rape me too he's like get undressed I'm going to leave your clothes at the end of the street count backwards from 90 and don't come back out here so I get undressed hand on my clothes and I count to like 15 I didn't count backwards from 90 I counted to 15 when I turn around he's not there and my clothes are folded perfectly at the end of the like the end of the alleyway that I was in and I was like, okay, well, how did he do that that quick? And when I recant the story, everybody's like, well, you were high. And I was like, I was trying to get high. I wasn't high yet. I was really trying to get high. So I put my clothes back on. I go find my pimp or my boyfriend, whatever you want to call him. And I tell him what happened. And he doesn't believe me. He's okay, like, wait, I have questions first. Okay. <laughs> okay, going back to the Cleopatra. So you play the slot machine and it would spit out the exact amount you're you're supposed to give to the guy yep 325 so you like it's not like like that just happened for you it's not like that was planned or that was just like a gift that I feel like I he would give me like five to twenty dollars to start the night off Mm -hmm. and I would go in and I would spend like five dollars on weed I would spend like a couple dollars on Shirley Temples and I was you know I was illegal I wasn't supposed to be in the casino Mm-hmm. Let's remember that because I wasn't 21 yet. The mm-hmm. lady that would camp, come and bring me drinks, she would make sure that nobody would mess with me. It was like she was an angel. The machine was an angel. I would sit at one machine and I would play. And I mean, like clockwork, it would give me 325. So but you it was never actually needed to go sleep with somebody. Uh, eventually, uh, initially, I did. Initially, I slept with 
quite a few people mm-hmm. quite a few people but then I, I figured I was like oh my dad plays the penny slots let me go in here and like hang out and it, be, it I think it happened by accident I think it was like raining one night and I just went into the casino to kind of like hang out and I saw it and she was like Cleopatra come play with me and I was like oh okay sure wow so yeah. then it started giving you giving you the money and so then you didn't need to sleep with the people and yep. then you had this encounter with this angel man mm-hmm. okay and then he folded your clothes and then I I think that's where I interrupted you yeah uh he folded my clothes and I went back and I told the guy who was pimping me out and he didn't believe me he was like, you're lying. And I was like, now nah, you got to understand. He said, if I keep coming out here, I'm going to die. I don't want to come out here. I don't want to die. I want to live. And he was like, I don't care what he said. And I was like, he stole my phone. He stole my $5. And he was like, well, that's on you. And I was like, I got to tell my mom, my phone is stolen because it was in her name. It was like a whole, there were all these things. And it's crazy. I remember telling my dad like that this man had robbed me, but I had to give him a different story. So I had to tell my dad that I was in the casino and somebody robbed me. And my dad goes, cool. Ask them to run the cameras back in the casino. And I was like, fuck, I didn't think about that. <laughs> and I remember being in the car. I was in the back seat and the guy that was pimping me was actually in the front seat with my dad. So when I say the grooming process, he didn't just groom me. Like he was around my family. Uh, yeah. He was I around my family. My body. Yeah. So he's sitting in the front seat with my dad and my dad looks in the rear view mirror and he goes, listen, you got to call your mom and you got to tell your mom that about the phone. He goes, I don't know what you guys are up to, but whatever you're doing, whether you're dancing, whether you're being a prostitute, whether you're working down there, whether you're selling drugs, just make sure you're doing the best that you could do. And I looked at him and I was like, he could see it when he said prostitute that I like it like stabbed me. And I was like, why would he say that? And then he was like, all right, I'll see y'all later and got out the car. And I was like, what the fuck was that? I felt like my dad knew and he was trying to pull it out of me. But how do you ask your daughter? Like, are you, are you tricking in Atlantic city? And if you are, what the fuck are you doing? Like, how do you have that conversation? Um, so there's more, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> uh, we went back out there. I didn't have a phone. I had like a little flip phone, like a replacement phone. And back then I had a sidekick. Like I love the sidekicks. Do you remember them? Yeah. Yeah. That was my jam. So that's what he stole. So now I had this little flip phone and we had went back out there like a couple days later and I went straight to the casino. I was like, I'm not, I'm not deviating. I'm going straight to the casino because I can't die in the casino because they have cameras in the casino. <laughs> so I go to the casino. I went like a maybe... I think a couple hundred more than I needed to give him. So I'm ready to go. I'm calling his phone back to back to back. He's not answering. Again, remember, I've always been this sassy. There, I wasn't like, oh my God, can we please leave? I call him and I'm like, where the fuck are you at? I'm ready to fucking go. Like, mm-hmm. And I walk up to Dr. Martin Luther King Boulevard and he's sitting in the car. So I'm like waving the phone at him and I walk up to the, the car and his brother gets out the front seat and he's like, Reese, run. And I'm like, run. I'm like, I'm ready to fucking go. I'm not running. Like it's four o'clock in the morning. Let's go. And the guy gets out, doesn't say anything to me. And he runs past me. When I turn back around, there was a guy that was trying to rob them. He was already out the car and he had a gun in my face. 
So I turned and I ran and I, re I remember running for like three or four steps and then being in the corner store across the street. So when I got in the store, I was like, this sucks. I was like, this man was shooting at, cause he was shooting at us. I was like, I'm dead. And heaven looks like a corner store. Like <laughs> what the, I was like, this is what I lived for. And I'm having this moment where I'm like, no, really, like I'm dead. I'm touching myself. Like, well, where did I get shot? Cause he was shooting at me. I was the last one to run. Where did I get shot? And the brother walks in the store. And I was like, and he looked at me like that too. We had this moment where we were both like, what the fuck? And he was like, Reese. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, where's Manny? And he was like, I don't know. Are you okay? And I was like, I'm all right. And Manny came in and he had four, <laughs> your favorite number is four, four bullet holes with no exit wound. So the bullets were ricocheting in his intestines and tearing his intestines into shreds. Oh my God. And he, he died. He came back to life. He died. He came back to life. I mean, this went on for like five minutes while I called the ambulance. And it was like, that in itself was traumatic, but that's how I got out because then he, he, he couldn't force me to go down there anymore. The brother tried to, and I was like, you know, that bullet was for, those bullets were for me. He's like, no, they weren't. And I'm like, but they were, he only ate them because God doesn't play about me. When you do, when people do fucked up shit to me, karma comes back to them in the most fucked up ways. I don't ever wish that on somebody. That was never my wish for him to be hurt or harmed in that way. But when you fucking with an angel, you gotta, you gotta be mindful what you do to me. So um, that is how I got out. That's not how I got away from him because when with somebody like that, with somebody like that abusive mentality and that, I mean, there's so many things I could categorize him as. Um, it took another year for me to get away from him. Wow. Yeah. I even left, moved into my own apartment. He followed me with like a Rottweiler so he could still control me in some way, shape or form because after he got shot like that, he was weak. So the abuse still happened. He still beat me up. We still fought. But at that at that point, it was like I was giving it to him because he had that type of injury. Wait, so Manny, the one that was had the four bolt, like he died, but he didn't actually die. No, he um, so he like flatlined like four times, and but came he ended up living. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's and why he for another year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I eventually the way we separated, um, and this is the condensed version, but I started selling water filters in the city of Camden. I had bumped into this man that had already had a business and he was like, Wow, you're beautiful. You know how to speak. People would love to talk to you. And I was like, Yeah, just teach me whatever. Whatever I have to do, just teach me. And I had already had that mindset from being trafficked that time is money. So I went into this business and I killed it because I just took that mentality and applied it to something different. I mean, I was going to people's houses, going under their sinks, cutting CVP, um, cutting piping and putting CPVC piping in and a dress with my younger sibling. Like it was a whole vibe. Um, but I built that business up myself with this uh, older man and I started to make really good money. I didn't want to smoke anymore. I didn't want to drink anymore. And this, this man had come and lived in my apartment and didn't want to do anything and kept asking me for like money to smoke. So I stopped smoking so he couldn't smoke. And then eventually I stopped paying the cable bill and then I stopped paying the electric and then, <clears throat> excuse me, I stopped paying the rent so we could get evicted. 
I was like, well, if we get evicted, he can't come live where I live. Like my mom won't let him there or my dad won't let him there. And I, that was like my master plan. And it worked. It, it ended traumatically, but it worked. It definitely worked. He made me miss a deal with the Board of Education with the water filters where I would have made residual income like $50,000 a year. And my first big chunk, me and my partner would have split 150,000. So like at 21, like that was life-changing money for me. You know what I mean? And that was like a week before my 21st birthday. So when he got wind of that, I mean, there's a whole story to that too. I don't know if you want me to go there, but like it's a whole other thing. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you got out of the entire trafficking situation by by selling water filters and just becoming very intentional about, okay, I'm going to get out of this living situation because you can't follow me to my parents' house. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So I want to talk about, because obviously you're spiritual, you had a lot of different spiritual encounters during all of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm obviously if if you're listening to this you probably know already I'm a very big spiritual person as well I believe in angels and I definitely have had my own experiences throughout my life that are that have proven them to be true so I want to know like were you already spiritual or like how did you believe that these things were you just like there's no way this is a coincidence um I feel like that is where I really started to have these encounters for the first time or that I had an awareness that that's what they were so even in the moment I didn't think that that was an earth angel I was like this guy is crazy until I got into the store and I was like something's off I thought that I was going crazy you know when you first have an awakening you're like it's me it's not anybody else I need to check myself into the mental institute um so I was on that shit but looking back at it I can be like, oh, that's an earth angel. He carried me into the store. There's no way I made it in the store before them. I had pumps on. Um, the night before my big deal with the Board of Education that I wound up missing, I heard change your pin to your card. And that was the first time I started to listen to that voice that I was hearing. I have goosebumps again. <laughs> and I changed it. And I felt like to this day that it was my great grandma. Um, there was an instance where my younger sibling was at the apartment where I was at and my younger sibling was like two, almost two. And they grabbed my face and they were like, go home, Reese," And their face like shape shifted. And I was like, damn, I didn't smoke today either. So these things were happening, but I was always questioning because I was getting high. I was smoking weed. So I was like, that wasn't that. I was I was smoking weed. But anytime one of these like spiritual moments happened, I wasn't high. Mm-hmm. I was sober. So looking back, maybe a couple years after being trafficked, I was able to be like, oh, that was an earth angel. It didn't take me very long because mm-hmm. it kind of, I felt like that was my awakening. The, the the man robbing me <clears throat> was my awakening and then um me ending up in massage school and then finally ending up back in Atlantic City working at the best casino down there 
I was able to have the funds to start to do all this like quirky shit that I was into that nobody was into yet, like going to sound bowl healings and meditation classes and book clubs. So that is where I made my connection like, oh shit, like that man was an angel. I'm supposed to be here. Like I started going through these moments of uh, enlightenment and and like real real self-actualization of, um, you know, my life has a meaning and there's there's a reason that I didn't die that night and that I wasn't shot that night and I really need to take heed to that so yeah I think that was my awakening <laughs> uh, so beautiful so you went through a lot to find out that your life has meaning <clears throat> how did you find your purpose and how how can other people find their purpose Mm, girl that's a heavy question I like it (laughs) um I get asked that question from other people actually like why am I here what am I supposed to be doing Sharice can you help me figure that out and I don't think one person can tell you that I think that multiple people can guide you there because that's how I got there so that's why I'm very clear like one one spiritual mentor or one psychic you know I've been through them all I've been to all ends of spirituality and um the modalities and I think it was a collective of being around the young lady who uh, did my numerology chart going to sound bowl healings um clearing out generational trauma really tapping into my subconscious mind and rewiring that and realizing like why I came here and really studying my chart and being like okay cool my life achievement number is a four over 22 what does that actually mean because that could mean a, a bunch of different things for a bunch of different people but it became very clear to me that my trauma with the trafficking itself because there's loads of trauma that I have that just happens to be like one of the catalytic and bigger traumas um that wasn't going to be in vain and that happened for a reason for me so I know that there are other women who have been through sexual trauma as well and that felt the same hate and shame that I did for my body so in transmuting that I knew that I couldn't be quiet about it like my family hates when I talk about it. They don't want to hear it. They don't understand why I share it. It it makes them uncomfortable. And I understand that. And I also understand that I have a mission and I don't care that they, it sounds mean, but my mission is so much bigger than their feelings. And there's a lot of trauma that I know about too, that made me uncomfortable. And like, this is just my, it's like, there's a story in the Quran that I used to read. And it's like, the Jesus, Jesus is in our book, right? So people get confused because it's Islamism, but Jesus was in our book. And there's this point where he leaves his family and they can't find him. And the parents come looking for him. And they're like, Jesus, why would you leave us? Like, what are you doing? We care for you. And why are you telling these people all these things? And why are you speaking like that? We don't like how you're speaking. And Jesus presses their hand, like, this is my work. Like, father, this is my work. So you got to leave me alone because I'm doing my work. And that's how I feel. I feel like, and not saying that I'm comparing myself to Jesus, but that's the story that I'm hearing in my head when they get uncomfortable. Like, this is my work. This is what I came to do. I I understand your feelings are valid and just don't listen to it because this is my boundary. Don't be on my social media. Don't listen to this podcast or anything like that. You know, um, I'm not going to not share my story. I was stifled in 
um, made small for so long and my voice wasn't allowed to be shared that you can't, you can't do that to me. This throat chakra is bust the fuck open. Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and okay. You just mentioned having the guilt and the shame in your body, which is unimaginable. I am like, I'm sure for most of the people listening after going through something like that. So how do you even go about letting go of that? Mm. Um, hmm. That took years to even start the process to realize that I felt that way, right? Because as a society, we're not taught to deal with our emotions. We're taught to keep going. Mm, yes. there's this thing where it's like oh that happened just push through oh that happened just keep going so when I had got out of it and I like moved to my dad's I like started dating somebody right away and it was like just let me get over it like let me get under somebody to get over it type of thing which perpetuated the trauma even further mm. um it took me years to realize that I even felt that way about myself but the, the things that I was going through and the men that I were dating were let, they were being a mirror for me to let me know that I felt like that about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, doing all the healing that I did, the sound bowls, the numerology, the meditation, going to med- massage school, later going back to be a uh, certified health coach, like doing all these things is what really brought me to an awareness like, hey, something's off and I'm not exactly sure what it is, but something is off. So I eventually went to therapy and therapy for me, I love, I'm an advocate for it, but my first couple therapists, they didn't do it for me. Like they, the talk therapy, it was not helping. It was actually re-traumatizing me. Um, I feel like my really big breakthrough came from the subconscious work. I had went to a psyche uh, weekend. It was 8-11. I can't remember the year, but I always remember the date. It was 8-11. And I went to this workshop and I'm usually, there's this thing where I'm usually the youngest in the room and I'm the only person that looks like me when I was going to these healing modalities. And there was a girl that was my age, but she was like irking me. And she was just being a mirror for me. Everything about her that was like triggering me was alive in me. And I just didn't want to look at it. And she was just so open and vulnerable about it. She was like, I hate myself. And I was like, oh, why does she hate herself? She's beautiful. And she was like, I'm just ashamed in my body. And I was like, oh, and it was just, it was like, she was punching me every time she said something. And eventually we got to a balance. So what this is, is it's balancing the left and right hemisphere of the brain. And it's going back and rewiring either an experience or a thought process, or there are advanced balances. It's like so many layers to it. But we had got to a point where we were doing these basic balances and I wasn't responding to them so the person that was running the class she was like come here lay down I'm gonna do an advanced balance on you and I was like okay I was like whatever I really wasn't into it I was like this is not working and she did this advanced balance and it's called the life bonding balance she walked me through it and everything like it was like one of those moments where you're like oh shit she walked me through like being in my mom's womb, right? And listening to conversations and actually seeing what it looked like in my mom's womb. And in my mom's womb, my mom had a trigger warning 
before I say this, um, my mom had been molested by somebody that lived with her. I'll just say that. And I could see like the scars, like I could see all the pain in her womb while I was in this visualization and in this balance. And it was like something she was clicked. molested while she was pregnant with you. No, she was molested when she was a teenager, when she was 16. Okay. So before mm-hmm. you were, way, okay. yeah, way before. Um, but I'm in, in this visualization, in this process, mm-hmm. I'm in her womb and I could see like the scarring and like the pain. And it was like, oh shit, no wonder I went through what I went through. And it was like a light bulb went off for me. And in this process also you're born and you die in this um, balance that I did. And it literally just like broke my heart open. And I was able to be like, I'm ashamed of my body. I feel guilty. And now I know why I was trafficked because I can, I can draw it back. And not that I was supposed to be trafficked, right? I'm not saying it in that way, but I can go back to the generations. My grandma, my mom was conceived by being molested by my grandpa. That's mm-hmm. how she was conceived. They had a shotgun wedding. My grandma's father found out told him that he had to marry her so then my mom was molested right and there's all this sexual trauma and it's like how could I not go through something like that if nobody stopped that if nobody went back to do the work so I feel like that's why I'm so committed and that instance in that subconscious workshop is what ignited me to be like whoa this is a lie like I gotta deal with this this is a lie to me I, I hate my body I feel dirty let me rewire this Yes, because so much of that, which people don't even know or understand this, is it is passed on through generations. Absolutely. And if it's not healed and let go of by by your mom or your grandma or your great grandma, like that does, it gets passed on and it does get louder and more painful until it gets to the people like you and me and probably the people listening to this right now mm-hmm. that become like the light workers or the star seeds or you know, the pre- the people that are now meant to transmute all of these things that have been suppressed over generations. And it's just so beautiful and painful at the same time. Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Wow. Okay. So it, it was a long, a long road. It took years, but Year. you were able to become conscious of those feelings mm-hmm. and feel them in order to let go of them absolutely that's something that boggles me about and not boggles me because I was that person right but because I'm not that person now I'm like oh no you gotta feel it the only way through is through like you can't go around it you can't like dig under it you can't climb over like you gotta go through that shit um so it doesn't boggle me I think the part that is boggling is like what I see on Instagram and it being like instant gratification like these five tips to do this and it's like girl that's not going to do it for you I'm sorry Uh, the five tips for you to move past your trauma isn't it or like these five tips to like for you because you know your skincare like to make your it's that it's it's a collective of things there's like this surfacey aspect that really blows my shit and I know it's because I'm a seven so sevens are like deep like there's so much depth to sevens and like we want to go all the way to the root of shit and rip it out at the root and the surfacey stuff is like it blows my shit. It really does. But at one time I was that person. So I can have an understanding like, 
Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah even with the skin like skin is surface level and there's the sayings like skin deep but it's not skin deep the skin is a reflection of what's going on deeper and so yeah I don't like that it will sometimes appear to be this surface level um type business or niche or whatever you want to call it um because the real work isn't in the topical products or you have a water filter like yeah that stuff matters but it goes down to like the guilt and the shame and and the hatred and everything that's suppressed because that shows up physically mm-hmm. so I'm wondering did that ever how did that manifest for you physically mm, the trafficking the suppressed emotions oh yeah um <laughs> um in multiple ways I feel like so even now like you know because I went to the hospital yesterday like my face has been breaking out on the side for like a week and I knew I was like it's something internal has nothing to do with what I'm doing topically because I use I could eat the products that I put on my body um so I knew something was brewing I just wasn't exactly sure I couldn't pinpoint it yet um but Oh man, I've had knee pain. I've had back pain. Um, I feel like I've always had something going on in my womb space because of that energy that was just there. I mean, the energy of all the people that I slept with, right? The energy of me myself being sexually assaulted, even before that as a child. Um, I always had some issues. It was always like, oh, you have inflammation. You have a pelvic inflammatory disease. You have this going on. You have this going on. Um, My cycles, my moon cycles were unbearable for years. Um, My skin was bad for years. Um, I was always nauseous. I mean, there's so many things. I always had like a chest cold or some type of infection happening and like grief lives in the in the lungs. So I was grieving this, you know, version of myself that was such a just green, bubbly teenager who, you know, got groomed. Um, the shame, it, it turned into more so, like I, I feel like growing up, I had body dysmorphia. But then it turned into like a whole other thing. Like I would just like hate the way I looked. And instead of loving myself and feeding myself properly, I would do these extreme things. Like I'd be like, I'm going to do the master cleanse. I'm going to for 10 days drink lemon water and cayenne pepper. And I'm going to do a salt flush at the top of the day. And it's like, why the fuck would I do that to my body? Like what was, what was I, I was, I was hating myself so much that I would just torture my body. And like all these things would pop up thyroid issues. I mean, I've had a lot of different, um, ailments because I say ailments because they weren't really ailments. I think they were more emotional, they were coming from, you know, the trafficking or the lack of nurturing I got as a child, like all these different things turned into something. So like my mom was really sick my entire life. And I remember my family telling me like, oh, your mom got sick when she got pregnant with you. So I grew up having this belief that it was my fault. So I would like lash out and do all these crazy things in high school. And they thought I was just an unbearable teenager. And it was like, no, I was a hurting teenager. I didn't understand how I could make somebody so sick. As I got into this work, like deep into the trauma work, 
I could pinpoint each and every one of her ailments back to her trauma. It was like, okay, her spine is turning like this because her 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 lower body is cut off because of the sexual trauma that she, you know, went through while she was living in her home. Oh my gosh. I mean, I could pinpoint it. When my mom had cancer, I could pinpoint it. I was like, where's the cancer? And she's like, it's in my stomach. But she she was holding, she was holding her large intestine. And I was like, cool, I'll be back. And like, this is my grandma told us this on one. I call it family day now. I don't call it Thanksgiving. But back then when I was calling it Thanksgiving, she had told everybody she had cancer. And while she told everybody, I was meditating and I had my first outer body experience. So when I came back to my body and she said it, everybody's crying. And I was like, well, where's the cancer? And she was like, it's in my stomach. And I was like, you're holding your large intestine though. I was like, I'll be right back. And I went up and looked up the meridians that run up the stomach and down the large intestines. And I came back and I was like, it's a submissive energy. If you get rid of the submissive energy in your life, then you can get rid of the cancer. And I mean, my family, I, my uncle damn near choked me. And I was like, I don't understand. Not like me with my family. <laughs> So like, I don't understand. My grandpa was abusive to her. She was, she carried this submissive energy her entire life. And to me, it makes sense. And I know that some people, they're like, it's not that easy. I understand that. I know there's more layers to it, but I'm gonna get to the root type of bitch. Like, where does it come from? I don't wanna, I don't wanna treat the symptoms. I don't wanna go through that. Like even with myself going to the hospital last night, I was like, all right, cool, fallopian tube. Let me look up the, the subconscious belief of fallopians. Let me see what I need to do. It's on my left side. Cool, that's feminine. Let me tap into my inner child and mother her some more. Like, um, I think of it on that level. I'm never like, what's the medicine? I'll just take the medicine. No, you can, I'll take that too if I trust it. There are some medications that I will not take. I believe in both, but I'm really heavy on the, let me get to the root cause. I don't, I am not a symptomatic type of bitch. I don't, I don't, I, those are signs and messages to teach us what's actually happening, happening at the root. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just signaling to us that something else needs to be looked at. It's like, um, I've been seeing so many different like videos, reels and TikToks of like people in their seventies and eighties in the gym and like doing like doing physical things that I can't even do. Girl. That's so amazing. But then meanwhile, you go to like the store and you see people and with like walkers or in those motorized chairs or like people complaining about like they're like they're getting knee surgery or back aches or neck problems, whatever it is. And people will be like, oh, this is what happens when you get old or like, this is what age does to you. It's like, I don't think so. Like I don't no. subscribe to that and I don't agree. I don't either. I, I'm going to live to be like 118 because my birthday is 118. So that's why I want to live to be 118. I think it's possible. And I'm not going to live to be like in a wheelchair, 118. Like I want to live. Right. Thrive. I want to, I want to jump out of planes at like 111. Like, you know? yeah, yeah. I don't want to just survive until that age. Like I want to actually enjoy my life and Absolutely. feel good in my body. And like Absolutely. a huge part of that is working through these emotions and expressing them and feeling them as they come up. Because if you suppress them then you just do that day after day after day, like it builds up and you do get these problems. And then you are 80 with all of these, you know, doctor's visits. And yeah, it's just like the, it is the root cause. Like it's mm -hmm. the root cause for skin. It's the root cause for literally everything physical in your body it comes mm -hmm. down to these 
emotions and the things that you've inherited over the years. And I'm glad that you brought up the um, the different sex partners because sex is another way that we can take on these energies. It's a sacred energy exchange. That's it what it is. is. And we're and, not taught that. Yeah, we're not taught that. And mm -hmm. it's actually like glamorized and it's looked at as like this fun, cool thing to do is have multiple partners and hook up and it's just more and more normalized. But what that's doing to you is just like depleting your soul for one thing. And it's also creating this uh, false sense of self-worth that needs to be validated from the outside. That part. And it also is you're taking on their emotions. So if like they have another partner and they're feeling guilt about what they're doing right now with you, you're going to take on that guilt. You're going to take on that shame. Like you're it's just all the emotions that are at the opposite of the spectrum that you want to be embodying, like the self-love and the self-trust, because if you're doing these things, you don't have that self-trust. Mm -hmm. And if you can't trust yourself, you can't trust others, which means you're never going to end up in a successful, healthy relationship. That part. It's like, oh, it's all intertwined. It really is. The amount of trauma you pick up and that exchange, this is your life. I mean, for us, this is our life force energy. We could literally create anything we want from this space and to allow somebody in, number one, is a, is a gift, number one. Um, to let them in, though, and then take on everybody that they've slept with energetically, mm -hmm. um, it's a lot. It really is. Even after my situation, I was like, cool, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go through my sacred woman journey and I'm going to shut everything down for 80 days and I'm going to clean this energy out. Because for me, I understand that it's energy as well. It has not, not that it has nothing to do medically. I'm very clear on what's happening in my body. And I know that I picked up some energy that my body does not like. And it's time to go back to the basics and to get to the root and rip it out at the root. Energetically, I got to clean my womb space out. Yes. Um, but yeah, me and Alaska were talking about that yesterday. I hope that you guys talk because her with the sexual energy and sacred divine feminine, like it, it, there's so many layers to that. Like we weren't taught as young women that, you know, you could, you had a choice in saying no, even that, that, that small, it's not small, it's really big, but that's a small thing. And like the, um, the web of sex itself for us as young, young women, it's like, I was having sex because I thought I was supposed to, you know what I mean? There was never a conversation like, well, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And like that, that in itself is so deep, mm -hmm. you know, allowing somebody to come to, to come into your space, but, um, giving them consent to come into your space, like spiritually, emotionally, mentally, like there's so many layers to it. Yeah. You mentioned us talking to our mutual friend, Alaska about this. This is funny because you're the first person I've actually brought on and then I've actually had like a conversation like this with so oh, okay. it'll be it'll be cool to see how it um goes over with everybody and if they want to hear more then we could definitely do more of this type of conversations um before we hit record though you mentioned that you were vegan and then now you're non not vegan 
mm-hmm. did that. I'm, I'm very into diet and nutrition with everybody. I'm always interested in what people are eating. Um, how did that play a role in all of this? Um, <clears throat> so my body's been craving and I won't, I'm not going to get too, too deep into detail, but my body had been craving before I went to Jamaica, um, like fish, seafood. Mm-hmm. And I've been craving that for like three or four years now. And I've just been telling myself, no, 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 we're not eating it. We're vegan. I'm not having it. Um, when my, with my mom transitioning and leaving this earth, um, I really sat and thought about a lot of different things. And I feel like I'm not the same person that I was a year, a year and a half ago. And I told myself when I went to Jamaica, if I went there and they had something that I wanted to eat and that my body was like actually craving it and needed it, I was going to give it to myself. So they had like some jerk fish or something like that. And I could feel it. Like my body was like pulling me to it. And I was like, all right, let me try it. So I ate it and I was like, yep, that's what I needed. My brain needed that. I'm going to stay here for a little bit. Um, And I haven't gone back. I haven't said it out loud publicly or anything like that. Um, But my body feels better. Now, I know that I also gained a lot of weight since then. And I know that some people will probably be like, oh, that's because of that. Like, no, there's just, I have some inflammation in my body. Um, I had had a stint where I took some medication and the medication blew me up as well. Um, But I just feel better eating the way that I eat now versus how I was eating. Mm. Um, And it took me a very, very long time to get to this point. Um, you know, I feel like that was also with the, you know, controlling and some layer of hate, right, toward myself and my body. Um, and not that vegans hate their body. That's not what I'm saying. But for me, when I control things in that way, like when I'm really, um, I don't know, meticulous in that way, it's usually because there's an underlying issue, right? Yeah. I'm like, no, I only am only eating. It's like, there's usually something else going on that I'm trying to cover or suppress by focusing on this or putting my, my attention on that. It's like a distraction. Um, was it a beautiful way to eat? Absolutely. Will I go back? Probably, especially after this that I have going on, like I'm going to go and I'm going to be on an anti-inflammatory regimen right now. So, um, yeah I feel you're just in tune with your body yeah I feel really good right now and I know that I'm going to feel even better um that's what I wanted to say so the controlling aspect so people there's this misconception that you know when you when you're healing that once you do something you're done it's like I did it I made it I'm at the plateau and it's like even myself I'm continuously on this healing journey I'm I'm never going to be done doing this work. We're never, once we're done, you can leave this planet and go back to wherever the fuck you came from because there's nothing else for you to do here. But I'm continuously healing my mind. I'm continuously healing my body. I'm continuously healing my soul. It's never done. So even with the veganism, right? And being so rigid and being so like strict on it and even being like judgmental because I was I was a mean vegan for a while I was I was one of those nasty vegans um and like there was something underneath of that 
that I had to uncover and begin healing, right? Um, so the work is never done for me. It's it's just not, and neither is it for my clients, neither is it for any of us. So if you ever get to a space where you feel like I plateaued, like you get something else to work on at a different level of frequency. That doesn't mean that it's daunting and we're always going to stay in this loop of trauma. That's not what it means. It means that you may have, you know, been healing this trauma on your four-year-old level and you've raised up to frequency 444 and then something else happens and you get to drop back down and you get to raise back up to frequency 555 it's like this beautiful journey of evolving and why would you want to stop that why would you want to you know be stuck and stagnant and not continue your healing so when I heal when I hear um, mentors like I can heal you like if it's not like an ailment or something like that I run because I'm like, ah, you ain't healing me. Nobody healing me. And when I'm dead, that's when I'm, you know, that's when I return to where I came from is when I'm healed and ready. Unless it's, again, it's a physical ailment like cancer or something like that. But this, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual self-healing journey is something that I'm going to be on for the rest of my life. And I'm all right with that. Yeah. Yeah. Only you can heal you. And it's like a never ending roller coaster. Never. It never ends. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to share? Mm. Well, you guys know I am a rebirth initiator. I empower women to, you know, transmute their trauma into their triumph. And it doesn't come from a space of, you know, surfacey bullshit, like I've been through it myself. And I just want to encourage you, like, if you're in a dark space, I don't want you to give up. I feel like somebody may be watching this that is like, damn, like, well, if she did that. How can I go through that? Just as doing all of these beautiful things. Like, how am I going to get there? You will get there, but it is going to take some determination and some sacrificing on your end to really take a look at yourself and realize that everything comes back to you. Everything comes back to us. It's not saying that the trauma you went through is your fault. I'm not that bitch. I'm not that person that's going to be like, it's your responsibility. You didn't. No, but now that you have an awareness of what you're moving through, it is your responsibility to begin your healing process. Nobody is going to do that for you. And it doesn't matter how mad you are at the person that did something to you. Like they're not going to help you. It is, it's, it's you for you. You get to to go back and you get to reparent that little girl you get to go back and you get to forgive that person that hurt you you get to go back and you get to forgive yourself it's really up to you and I have goosebumps so I know spirits like yes bitch <laughs> yes it's you where can people find you uh, uh on instagram at Sharice Tariva um you can email me if you want to at hello at sharistariva.com. My website is www.sharistariva.com. Um, I have a Twitter, but Twitter's not my thing yet. I'm just on there popping shit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dabbing, I'm diving, but it's at Sharice Tariva. <laughs> That's where you can find me. Wonderful. I'll have all of that in the show notes as well. And thank you so much, Sharice. Oh, this was so fun. I hope to do it again. I hope we have a part two. 
Absolutely. Let us know in the comments if you guys want a part two. Yes. <laughs> I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. That concludes this episode. If this resonated with you, please give it a rating and review. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Links are in the show notes. I sincerely thank you for your time and your presence.